What is going on, guys? We are back for another episode of the Blue Crew Podcast, episode 47, as we rapidly-ish approach the half-century mark of podcast. We are here the morning after the Crystal Palace game. What a game that was, and what a day outside it is to celebrate that victory. I think they watched Thomas Tuchel's Tricky Blues demolish Crystal Palace in the first half, and brought some good weather. I am joined by two people that both agree it is far too early to be recording a podcast. It is the day of rest on a Sunday, but we're not resting. We're a hard-working podcast and we are back to record. OJ and Luca, your hair is sticking up. You both have nipped in the shower quickly. How are you both doing this morning? Good, mate. Yeah. Tired, but I'm ready. I'm tired, but I'm ready. So well, one from Luca yeah. saying that he's 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 good, but he's lying really, and OJ just admits that he's tired. That's what we like to see. Yep, I'm an honest man. I only spit facts. So you're an honest man, OJ. I am. Out of ten, how good was our performance yesterday? Oh, um, nine, because we still conceded a goal. To Christian Benteke, to Christian Benteke of all people, but yeah, let's not let's not dwell on the negative of of conceding a goal. Like that was easily the best performance we've seen under Thomas Tuchel, without a shadow of a doubt. In, especially uh, going forward with the ball, that was just we scored more than two goals in a match. <laughs> yeah, we scored two goals in like eleven minutes. You couldn't yeah. believe it. It was coming. It was an onslaught. Basically, from the first minute, I think after like the first, before the goal went in, we had 81% possession and we had dominated on the edge of their box for that whole like sort of seven or eight minutes. And I was thinking, this is, it's coming, it's coming. And then the goal came and then you're like, okay, we deserve that. And then another goal came. You're like, yeah, to be honest, we probably deserve that as well. And we just did not let up for like the whole, the first half, maybe for 40 minutes. We just did not let up. It was absolutely relentless. That is Thomas Tuchelball. Luca, you like to do these. You like to take us through the game. What did you think? Yeah. You know, was there maybe some disappointment that in the second half we eased off a little bit? Yeah, I think so. Considering how how fast out the blocks we came in the first half, I was I was shocked really. I've, I've never seen us play like that under Tuchel. So it was it was quite fun to watch. And then in the second half, I just thought we'd uh, I just thought we'd carry on the onslaught. But obviously, in the second half, it's going to change because Palace are going to look at that and go. Okay, we need to we need to sort something out here. This isn't we can't concede another three in the first in the first half an hour of the second half. And it it did change, I think. I think Palace I think Palace sort of found out slightly what we were doing. It was a bit they had more of the ball and obviously when that when we conceded that headed to Venteke, it was a bit it was a little bit deflating, but it didn't seem to affect us too much and we carried on and uh Reese James came on and put a ball in for Pulisic at the back post, absolutely superb cross and uh killed the game off so that lifted the spirits a bit more and at the end it was just forgot really that we conceded the, our goal and it was it just felt like an absolutely fantastic performance so very good all round yeah I mean that, that was it it was, it was a great 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 performance and after the horror show of last week and the fact that we weren't unplayable in midweek lots of people were like there's still questions to ask here you know against a a tricky Palace side who have got literally nothing to play for. They've got nothing to play for. They are mid-table mediocrity, basically, this season. They are just sat there like their, their season's over. Um, and actually, but I looked through 
the games and the get the points that we have dropped this so far under Tuchel, other than West Brom, Leeds, Southampton, and um, who's the other draw? Wolves. And Crystal Palace sit in between all three of those teams. So you just think that's sort of the area the if we slack off and slack slacken off a little bit, could have been in a bit of trouble. We started so quickly that first half. Best half of football we've seen for Chelsea in how long? I'm thinking possibly you're going back to in terms of the fluidity of that half. I think you know, you go back to the sort of Everton and the Conte. We know how good that performance was. Genuinely, that yeah. first half performance was right up there with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely agree. You know, I'm just, I, I'm just really, really glad in that first half to see Kai Havertz balling out. Like, ah, oh, he's fine. I tweeted, he's finally arrived. Here, here he is. He's. Um, we said at the last, at the end of the last podcast that we spoke about, like what Havertz's best position is. Um, whether he fits in the system well. I think he showed yesterday that he he fits in the system pretty well in a false nine. He said in the interview afterwards that he just felt like he could just go wherever he wanted. Because he and can. be free and do whatever he wanted with the ball. And can, can I just pick you up there? You know when I think we all sort of agreed last week that it wasn't the system letting Kai down. Kai just wasn't playing very well. Well... The point about this, these fluid front three, obviously we have the, the striker and the two tens, but when you have a false nine and two tens, you basically have three fluid attackers, which I think we've all loved to see under Tuchel. It's something we've not seen before under any Chelsea manager, the sort of same fluidity in the attack. And when Mount plays like Mount did yesterday, I mean, Mount won man of the match over Havertz, who was incredible. Um and when Pulisic scores two goals and isn't even really talked about as having an amazing game, you know something's gone right because they they were so good as a trio. They were so dynamic. It was so hard to stop. It it all just clicked yesterday. Yeah, I think you're not far wrong. I mean, a lot of times we were... There's still that little bit of uh, that clinical edge we're lacking. And, and now Timo Werner's not in the team. You can't say it's all his fault. So there is other players around around him on the pitch that need to work on it. I mean, Havertz could have had about four or five goals, probably. Probably should have, but we moved. Yeah, yeah Goethe uh, definitely made a few good saves. Yeah, he, he kept them in the game for sure. He always turns in... I think he's quite a good goalkeeper, but whenever he whenever he plays against us, he turns into, like, the second coming of, like, Christ. So, he just plays like a... He just plays like a madman. So, yeah, I mean, there is still a bit of... The bit of edge we're lacking in, term, in terms of, like, the final... A final shot, let's say. But I mean, yeah, superb, fluid, ball recoveries were literally ten out of ten. I love that, it. It was so good, so good to watch. Every time I went forward, I was just expecting a goal. So, yeah, I tweeted about it uh, after about uh, half time, I think, and I said, "Look, Palace haven't been great here. Like, obviously, that the, the, there's no motivation for them to come back from three 0 down to really try in the game or to get started. But we didn't allow them to get started at all. It was just." We kept possession from, I think we, we probably had kickoff. We kept possession and then we just didn't give it back. And we won it back before they got the ball in our half. And there, I think there was a moment, I think it was Pulisic. And the ball was, he might have lost the ball down in sort of our left, uh, our left wing area. And he chased the ball from left wing all the way to like right wing to get the ball back. And we got it back because they forced it to play it long. And I thought that, that is it. That is too cool. That is the pressing. That is the energy. 
and we kept it up as a squad all game long. All game long. Well, all half long, and then controlled it from there. Yeah. It was just refreshing to see such a good performance. And Luca, you just said it, I think, or maybe OJ did. No Timo Werner in the starting lineup. You can't say it's all down to Werner that we played like that, but didn't it just look like our attackers played with freedom? Yeah. You know, it was, but there was. You look at Havertz, he is all about instinct. He just does what comes naturally to him. Pulisic, his goal, one touch, two touch, bang. You know, the goals were just quick, sharp, no time to think. When Werner gets the ball, it seems like he has to get the ball, stop and think about what he's going to do. It just felt like there was no stopping us yesterday because we didn't know what we were going to do before we got the ball. Yeah, exactly. I mean, from left to right, all our players were interchanging, swapping positions. It was it was good to see, and like you said, Werner, when he's when he's on the pitch, he sort of tends to occupy occupy that one side or slightly in the middle. So it's, there's not much variety to what he does. But last uh, yesterday evening was was very very good. I think fluidity is key. None of the Palace defenders could stop us. I mean, so recently I thought Van Aanholt has been quite good for Palace, but he couldn't handle anyone last night. And that's before we get on to Azpilicueta, Pochettin, Zaha, the entire game. That needs to be talked about because he had an excellent game. But yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah Taka's fluidity is just something that we, we really need to see. I think it's, and I think it's going to be quite tough for, uh, quite tricky for Werner to sort of maybe potentially get back into this team. Because that front three last night, I know it's only one game, but they showed that they can, they showed that they work really well together. So I think I'd like to see that front three against Porto as well, probably. Yeah, no, I th- I don't think before this game, Thomas Tuchel was probably thinking Werner will be back in for Porto, maybe. Mount will play against Porto. And then is it Havertz up front? Maybe. But I genuinely think those those three, and especially Pulisic, have played themselves into starting on on Tuesday as well. I, I think that'll be maybe other than Reese James for Hudson-Odoi, which I think we'll have. And maybe Christensen if he's fit instead of Zuma. That could be the same team that we play on Tuesday. And I don't think that was going to be the plan going into that game. Maybe Kante comes in, maybe he doesn't. But Jorginho was actually really good yesterday. And we haven't really got any sort of... Like, we're not going through this in a particular order right now. We're just so happy because so many parts of it were. So if we start off, I'll ask you this one question, then we'll go into more specifics with players. One word to describe Chelsea yesterday. Uh, oh God! I'll go. I'll, I'll say. I'll say resurrection. I put out what? that tweet. I put out the tweet um, when we lost to West Brom. Tom Coley tweeted, "Rest in peace, new manager bounce, twenty twenty one to twenty twenty one." And after yesterday's game, I I quote tweeted that with a picture of a. Jesus walking out of the was it a tomb or a cave? I don't know what it was. A tomb, I think. Um, obviously, having been resurrected after his death, so uh, I think resurrection from the uh, West Brom result. Obviously, Porto in in midweek was was good, but that was that was a, a saucy display from the boys. Luca, I'm thinking about this word for a, a bit, and I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say vibrant. Very Ooh. vibrant performance, just all over the pitch, just just vibes. Well, I don't. You know, <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, yeah, but it was just very, very good. Just free flowing, confident. Just 
just confidence flowing all over the pitch and it was just really good to see. So I'm going to say vibrant. I like that. I was thinking, it's not as good as your words, I was just thinking relentless that first half. That's how Chelsea, yeah. that's describe how we were. Relentless. Crystal Palace must have been so, so angry at how well Chelsea were playing because I genuinely don't think there was much they could do about it. I did, like, I really don't think there was much that Palace could do about it. Hodgson was probably in at half time just going, boys, we have been outplayed. Just there's not there's yeah. not loads you can do about he was, it. He was very angry, wasn't he? At the at the full time whistle. Luca, you said he looked fuming. His face was like thunder. I was like, oh dear. You must be so angry though. Like you go into a game and it's a London derby, you're Roy Hodgson, you're like 70 years old, and then after nine minutes you've been hammered. Like you've hardly seen yeah. a team pick a ball for nine minutes and you're two 0 down, you're like that's game over. Like, what do I do? Right. On to specifics. This is something that I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily a... No, it's not anything controversial. Callum Hudson-Odoi, how did you guys rate his performance yesterday? Back in the starting lineup again, which I think we were all happy to see. Back in as a wing-back as well, which mm-hmm. again, I think we were all happy to see. Especially as him playing as a wing-back frees up another attacking role further forward. What did you guys make of his performance? I thought he controlled the right-hand channel really, really well. Um, I thought he worked well with uh, Dave and uh, sort of the, the double pivot of Kante, uh, Kante uh, Kovacic and Jorginho um, and really controlled that sort of segment of the pitch where he could he was literally free to just run up and down because he was working so well with, with Dave. Um, who was just ridiculous um, again. So, yeah, I, I thought he, I thought he played really well. Obviously, he got an assist as well. Um, it's a great cross. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy. Luca, any specific thoughts? Yeah, I, I'd have to agree with AJ. I thought he was very, very good, especially in the first half. His link-up with Howitz for the goal was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably, I don't think he had as good a game as some of the other defenders. I think he just sort of... Obviously, he was in that part of that team that just completely smashed powers in the first half, and he was. We would immediately think that he had a fantastic game, but I think uh, towards like the second half, he sort of, I don't know, he sort of like he didn't catch my eye as much as some of the other players, but I think he still had a very very good game. Yeah, yeah. I I thought he was really good yesterday. I, I I did. I thought he was especially for a must be his first start in a little while. Um, you know, just coming back from an injury with the England and twenty ones, he hasn't necessarily sat, found the same sort of form—not not form, but consistency—since the first couple of weeks under Tuchel. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been in and out of the team. He's had sub appearances here and there. He's not really had consistent minutes for a while. I was really impressed with how he played. I just want to see Callum Hudson Odoi put up numbers. I want to see him get goals and assists because. Christian Pulisic hasn't been great this season, let's be honest, yeah. But he has now got, what, like like four goals and a couple of assists after the last few games. And it's nothing against Hudson Adore. He's playing from wing-back. And actually, somebody replied to my tweet yesterday and said it's hard for him to get numbers at wing-back. It is. I just, I don't feel like he's clinical enough in the final third. His last ball is still too inconsistent. And I just want him to, I want him to get numbers. I want him to be greedy. And it's not all about numbers because they don't define you. Because as we said yesterday, Hudson Odoi is probably like an eight, maybe eight and a half or nine out of ten. You know, if he was to get a goal, if he was to get a goal, 
he was like one of the best. Like he was a really, really good, strong player. Mm-hmm. But I want to see him be greedy. I want to see him score a goal. I want, I want to see it so much because he's he's good. We love him. I think he can be a, a great, great player for Chelsea. And maybe wing back isn't helping him. But I just see him, and I want to see him drive into the space. I want to see him bring more. I want to see him get recognition because when you go into, I know, like if you think match of the day, yeah, you go into match of the day, you go through that Chelsea team. Havertz got a goal. Can't remember if he got an assist. He was one of the best players on the pitch. Christian Pulisic. I think he did, yeah. Pulisic didn't do loads, but still scored two goals. Yeah, yeah. Mount was incredible all over. He's Mason Mount. You just think Hudson Odoi had a game yesterday. Probably all round better than Pulisic's, but he didn't get the goal, so they're not going to talk about him. I want to see him be greedy. I want to see those numbers go up. Go yeah. and get yourself five goals and five assists in a season. And get people talking about you, you know? Because he's better than that anyway. He's better than five goals and five assists. Mm-hmm. He's probably ten goals and five assists. That's how good he is, but he doesn't get them. He needs to get them now. He needs to be greedy and he needs to get them. That That is all I want to say. And I know it's harsh because... He's now been playing as a wing-back. Yeah, and he's playing as a wing-back. But I just... He's so talented. Go and get your numbers now. And that's what Gary Neville said about Hazard. I'm not comparing him to Hazard, but that's what Neville said to Hazard. (laughs) Hazard's an incredible player. We We know he's the best player in the league. But why are you getting 10 goals and 10 assists when you can go and get 20 goals and 20 assists? You know? And then, lo and behold, the next season, Hazard carries us to fourth place in the Premier League. Hudson Odoi doesn't have to do that yet, but go and get your goals and assists. Go and get them. Become that player. Become greedy. Score the goals. Get into the back post. Uh, that's all I wanted to say. It just, I don't know. I like him, but I like him that much. I'm, I need him to get better. Yeah. No, I understand where you're coming from. I think, you know, it's it's hard for him because he's been sort of switching in and out with Rhys James. Um, obviously, we'll probably see that, like you said earlier, uh, Tom, on, on Tuesday, we'll probably see Rhys come back in. But, you know, if hudson Adoy is, is sort of fighting for this sort of right-back slash wing-back sort of position with Rhys James, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how both of them sort of deal with that. I think it's very... Um, It'll be very telling because obviously they're both two they're two young players as well. Um I'm not saying that they're not mature and that they can't deal with it, but it's just very interesting, I think, to see where Tuchel goes going sort of going forward into the future. Um and the team that he wants to have. I always think Hudson Adoy uh, sorry, I always think Reese James would be preferred to Hudson Adoy uh in that position mainly because he's sort of uh, almost like an out-and-out defender rather than Hudson-Odoi sort of used to be a winger and is now playing as a wing-back. Um, but obviously they, they're they both capable of different things. So I think I think Reese James is probably better defensively, but Hudson-Odoi is probably better going forward. Not to say that Reese James is bad going forward in any stretch, but yeah, I just think it'd be interesting to see how that dynamic sort of pans out in the future now this isn't just because they're both right wing backs that used to be wingers yeah but if you compare Hudson Odoi to Victor Moses yeah yeah Hudson Odoi is the better player than Victor Moses yeah yeah, yeah. you could slot Hudson Odoi into that 2017 title winning team 
and I'm fairly sure you wouldn't notice a difference. Now, that, that's high praise, because that team won 30 games and steamrolled of the league. That's how good Hudson yeah, is. Yeah, this is, this is Conte Victor Moses. This isn't any old Victor Moses. This is under Conte. This is Victor Dani Alves Moses for 30 games that season. was incredible. That, Hudson Adoy is that good. He, he slots into that team, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But what he, he can go further. We know he can go further. And he won't get further unless he starts adding the goals and assists to his game. That's, that's, that's just my final yeah. piece on him. Yeah. But on the oh, other I hand, I learned positively on that. It was so good to see him back on the pitch because he was he was brilliant. It was so good to see him back. Hundred percent. Yeah. On uh, on uh, this little bit of competition between these two, I think it's quite good actually. It's good to have some competition in the squad wherever you are, especially under Tuchel when we're playing so well and people are fighting for places. I think when Tuchel came in, I don't think anybody, don't think anybody, even the players, probably expected him to uh, deploy a, a three back for games. So I, and, and certainly in the right back position or right wing back, whichever you look at it, I don't think Reese James thought his competi- his closest competition for his right wing back or right back position would be Hudson Odoi. So I think in this at this time when we're winning when we're winning games, we're looking really good. I think it's very good to have some competition, and yeah, it's good for the players because it keeps their it keeps their sort of keeps their sort of efforts up. They're competing with each other. They're having a they're basically battling it out to be the starter for Chelsea, which I think is really good. So, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. I think the competition is very healthy. No, it is. And you know what? It gives us the flexibility to do what we want in games. It gives us the flexibility because we yesterday we got exactly what we wanted. And I think we all said it. Start Jorginho and Kovacic, hopefully be a few goals up, get Kante on for, get Kante on for half an hour. Admittedly, Kante came in and we can see this straight away, yeah. But, like, <laughs> not the point. I think everybody here probably wants Kante to start in midweek. However, yep. Jorginho and Kovacic have had two much better games now. They've been on form for a little while. Like you wouldn't be, you, I don't think you could complain if they started um, in the next game. So yesterday basically worked out to an absolute T at how good like our subs went and how good our competition is because. Even if Kante's fit, if you're keeping him out as a midfield pivot, that's incredible. Like Zuma came in yesterday and scored and kept a clean sheet, and yet, and you didn't really feel like you missed you missed Christensen, who has been probably our best centre back so far. Yeah, it's like I've always said with the squad depth. Most of the time, you can't really. Most of the time, not all of the time. Let me get that clear. It's like you can't really tell who's been playing regularly and who like who's like a substitute, who's like a a non-regular, which I think is very, very good. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know. I, I feel I feel like that... I, I see where you're coming from. I just feel like maybe... There, there's definitely a few now under Tuchel that have been playing a bit more than others. There are those that have been given that chance and have taken it, and there's those that have been given chances, haven't taken it, and are still being given chances, and then there are those that have been given chances, haven't done anything, and haven't been given another chance. <coughs> Timo Werner and Tammy Abraham. <coughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, um, I think Tuchel definitely has a few players that are first on the team sheet, um, and then sort of probably fills in the gaps from underneath of who's Maybe who's done well in training, who he thinks deserves a chance. 
based on attitude, because we know that's a big thing with Tuchel. Attitude is massive for him. Um, we know that because of the Hudson Adoy substitution after like, what was it like 25 minutes or something yeah. like that? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no, go on. I was going to say, look to another part of the pitch. Ben Chilwell yesterday, he was quietly very impressive. Didn't do, again, I think it's a good thing, especially when you're winning 4-1. Um, in fact, was the header against him, actually? Ben Teke, did he beat him to the end? Anyway, I, I can't remember. It, was, it wasn't his fault. Yeah, I, th- it, I think it might have been. But, it's, but it's Ben Chilwell was, yeah, was like... quietly very impressive. He did pretty yeah. much nothing wrong all game. You know, very similar. A couple of weeks ago, we are looking at that team and a lot of people were putting Marcus Alonso in um, in their starting teams. And Ben Chilwell sat there going, got a Euros to play. I'm meant to be the new left-back for 10 years. You know, what's going on here? All of a sudden, Ben Chilwell's hitting back to his best form. He's playing so consistently. He's playing really well. And people are going, Ben Chilwell's starting again in midweek. And a few weeks ago, people were saying, Champions League games, Marcus Alonso's your man. He's the man for the big games. Well, Ben Chilwell's now put up good performances against Liverpool in particular. I thought it was outstanding. Yesterday, he thought it was really good. Porto, I thought it was outstanding. And he's going to play against Porto again. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about form, though. This competition is there. Tuchel now does have his favourites, yeah. I, I say his favourites. He plays the people that are playing well, basically. Yeah. He plays the people that are playing well. And we can't ask for any less than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can't right. ask for any less than that. I mean, you guys know how much I love Dave as Perquetta. Uh, and he's started every game under Tuchel, actually. I think. Is it is it every game? Might not be every game. It, I think it, it, how many games has Tuchel had as manager now? 16? Yeah, I was going to say 14 or 15, maybe 16. So around that sort of area. I think he started 13 <laughs> games. Um, so he might have missed one or two. But I think he is definitely... Um, that a being exposed less than he was under Lampard, under Tuchel, um, and B definitely playing a lot, a lot better um, in recent weeks. Like under Port, uh, against Porto was insane. Uh, yesterday, had I think Wilfred Zaha got pocketed by three different right backs. It was ridiculous. Reese James, Hudson Odoi, and Dave like. He was non-existent. Mainly, I think my, my personal opinion, mainly due to due to Espelacueta, was just just he's like Gandalf. Oh. You will not pass, mate. Yeah, get out. Espelacueta definitely is reaping the rewards of the system. Yeah, yeah. we know if Espelacueta was playing as a right back, he isn't the one. We've seen him fall short. He is still maybe minus Reese James, who's not human, our best one-on-one defender. Yeah, I think he's probably yeah. still our best one-on-one defender. Mm-hmm. But the the system has meant that he has cover on the inside and cover on the outside for his legs, which is you know very understandable. And he will get needs. at the back post as well because he, he's smaller. But you also can't underestimate the value of his leadership and his experience. He's the club captain. He's the club captain. Now who knows what happens next season? Maybe Mason Mount's the captain. No one would complain, you know, or maybe. Aspilicueta is still captain while he's here, but doesn't play as much next season because we either play a back four or we buy another centre-back. Again, I think we would all understand that. But for now, the way that Tuchel has used Aspilicueta in that system, flawless. 
the way he's used him. Absolutely flawless. The way in that system, he's been able to get him, basically, as you say, for three three games in a week. He's playing Saturday midweeks, Saturday midweeks, Sunday, every single week now. Yeah. Doesn't go away with Spain, so he's fine. I think the management of Aspilicueta has been perfect. Luca? Yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, like you said, the system has definitely benefited him. Like, he can't play in a back four at right back. It's like Alonso at left back. Just can't play football. So, yeah, I think when he's got Reese James on the... Uh, when he's got Reese James uh, next to him, or whoever's at right back, they do good cover for him. And it's obviously... He's he's losing he's losing his pace, let's let's be real. He's, he's getting on. Bless him. But he's been a fantastic player. And I think whenever he's in a back five, I just won't complain. Even if he plays till he's like... 38, 39, when he's like Thiago Silva's age, I probably wouldn't be mad that he's starting because he's that good a player. So, yeah, I think he's been great. Mm-hmm. Aspelacueta for me is one of those players that it's a bit like Jorginho and Kovacic and also just waiting for, Kristen, uh, for Christensen and Rudiger to make a mistake. Because of his flaws, you know, his legs, he's got older, he's made mistakes before, you know, People will sit there, and when he makes a mistake, they'll go, that's it, he can't play again, he can't play again. You know, Jorginho and Kovacic, the other day, you know, last week against West Brom, oh my God, these guys were so bad, can't play again, can't play again. No, no, hold on, hold on. They've been on a 15-game unbeaten run. How about we let them have that mistake, and we say that they've earned this. This is criticising isolation. Here we go again. Because of how good they've been now for 15 games, this isn't two or three games, this is 15 games, you go, right, we, we criticise in isolation, that wasn't good enough, that was poor, you were bad, you've made your mistake. But they deserve that, because over 15 games you've built up a bank of really good performances, you've built up a bank of praise. I think it's important that when Aspilicueta, Christensen, Rudiger, Jorginho and Kovacic make a mistake, for now at least, while we're in this good form, we just hold our hands up and go, that's okay, that's a mistake, that happens. Manchester City lost to Leeds United, down to 10 men yesterday. Do you think they're all throwing their toys out of the pram going, Fernandinho can't do it anymore, got to get rid of Fernandinho? No, of course not, Fernandinho. You go, he's been here for seven years, he's won like three, maybe four Premier League titles. No, we let him have it. We just go, okay, that's fine, he's not the same player he was. But there's no need to decide that he's crap and that he needs to be out of the team. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to agree. the same. Cut him some slack. Is Aspilicueta a better player than Fernandinho, though? No. Not for me. <laughs> not, not, not for me. I, I, I'm a massive admirer of Fernandinho. Fez. Plus, I think he walks into our team as the best defensive midfielder in there. So. <laughs> better than Kanto. Kanto's not a defensive midfielder. No. But Let's not get onto this. <laughs> Do you think he's better than Kante? <laughs> no, he's, he's not better than Kante. Yeah. If you're going in a 4 3 3 with one DM, yeah. you've got Fernandinho, who's probably the oh, one yeah. to start. To be fair, that's a bit of a harsh question. There's not many midfielders in the world that are better than Kante. So, yeah. It's a bit of a harsh comparison on Fernandinho. So there um, we go. I don't know who else to talk about. Edouard Mendy was good. He was all right. He made some good saves. Did he make a save? No, probably didn't. Probably, not, probably not, to be fair. Yeah, I forgot that Palace had, what, two shots? And, and Benteke's goal was one of them. I think it was one shot. 
one on target. Was it actually? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was sad to see on the stats, but like, who cares? It, it was definitely their first shot of the game. We'd had six yeah, shots. Was, yeah. had one. Uh, I'm just checking the stats, and it was one shot, one on target. I mean, yeah. we, so, I'm sorry, go on. No, no, I'm just saying. Shout out to Edward Mendy for doing literally nothing but conceding a goal. That's the easiest money you'll ever earn. Kepering guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it even worth mentioning this guy? Man of the match again. I don't know what his actual goal contributions were from the game. Did he get the assist for Zuma's goal? I don't know. Yeah. We do he it did. every week. Right? Whip, the free, whip the free kick in. But we seem to gloss over him most weeks. Like we didn't really talk about him against Porto because... We're just so used to it now. We're so used to how good Mason Mount is. Chelsea captain next season, anyone? I wouldn't be against it, but I can't see it. If, if Azpilicueta's still here, I think he'll probably still be club captain, but I absolutely would not yep. be against it. Um, no. I think give it like two more seasons and then make him club captain. Only because I think it would be very harsh to take it away from Azpilicueta for next season. And I think, you know, Mount would respect that, considering that he's sort of, I don't want to say like grown up, but like, you know, like he's... Mature. He's No, no, no. Like he's come through Chelsea and Azpilicueta has always been our captain. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, I think it'd just be... I don't think Mount would be would take it as sort of like an insult that he's not been made club captain. Um, but yeah, as well with Mason Mount, he is the sort the sort of guy that has been captain of Chelsea twice now before he's twenty three years old, which is twice more than he ever expected to. Yeah, cherish those. And the armband to Mason Mount isn't something that he needs to be who he is. Mm-hmm. And we need more of those people at Chelsea, and I think we have them. Reese James is a silent leader. I don't think he'd ever be a captain because he's a bit shy, but he leads by example. Mason Mount leads by example. Aspilicueta leads by example. And genuinely, to an extent, so does Antonio Rudiger. Um, I'll be honest. I, he, genuinely. He leads the shithousery by himself. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I think you need them. I, I think you need them in the squad. And Rudiger is one that, again, has been underrated. Annoyingly, he. The goal that Benteke scored yesterday ruined my fantasy football because I had Mendy and Rudiger in there, which I'm a bit annoyed about. In fact, I'm very annoyed about. I'll be honest, I'm very annoyed about because I've not had a good week. I forgot to change my team. It's not all about fantasy football, but Mason Mount, we gloss over him so often because it's boring now to praise Mason Mount, isn't it? Like Before, last season, there were parts where Mount wasn't good, but we were still like, like... don't give up on Mason Mountain, he's going to be incredible. Yeah. And that was actually like topical. But now everyone rates Mason Mount. It's not fun or different to rate Mason Mount anymore because everyone rates him. Literally everyone. Yeah. I mean, it's consistent performance after consistent performance. You can't, there's only so much. I know it's Mason Mount and you think you can talk about him forever, but there is only so much you can say about him. He's, he's now contributing goals and assists to his game. So whoever's been saying that he doesn't contribute enough, they need to just have a look at themselves because if you're not rating Mason Mount at this point, like how can you not? He's probably going to start the Euros for England. He's performing game in, game out for Chelsea. It's just, it's so like you you want to try and you want to try and go on about Mason Mount how good he is, but you just 
We've spoken about him so much. What else can you say? He's just been absolutely out, out of this world. It's just deja vu at this point, isn't it? It's just, it's just us. And we don't like, you know, we don't like repeating the same things over and over again. But what else can you do when it's just the Mason Mount show at Chelsea at the moment? So, so coincidence he went to mile the matches every game as well. Yeah, I saw that tweet where it was like, yeah. like Mount winning, like man of the match, like twenty different times. Honestly, it's just incredible, and we are so lucky. But believe me, we don't take it for granted because we've seen enough performances without players like Mason Mount. It's going to be strange when he actually doesn't play games. I mean, even from the West Brom game, one half of Mason Mount, and it all goes to shit. You know. It's just not yeah. the same. It isn't the same. Yeah. Uh, and then people wonder why why Mount doesn't get dropped because he's so so important. I think I I can't remember if I said this before, but do you think he is as important to Chelsea as any other player is to their team in the Premier League? Can you think of a single player right now that is as important to their team as Mason Mount is to Chelsea? Yeah, I I think. Him and Bruno to United. Yeah, I was going to uh, say exactly the same. Are, are the two? I think more than anyone, anyone else in the league, are more important to their teams. Um, you know, Bruno. I mean, yeah, he's. A, I mean, we know how good he is. We've seen his transition to the Premier League has genuinely just been seamless. It's it's insane, um, and we know how good he's been for United this season. Um, and Mount has been exactly the same. I think. I think he's. Obviously, I don't. I. Th- I think. I don't know. Um. I. It's. It's. Hmm. Well, what. What am I trying to say here? I. Th- I think. Um. Mount and Bruno are very sort of similar but different in a way that like they're they're so important to their team, but. Um definitely have like a different style they, they lead through more than just what they do yeah in terms of goals and assists you know bruno obviously is so important to man united because of his actual ability on the ball which no one else at man united has yeah and mason mount obviously has this ability on the ball but it's not like we rely on him for his goal contributions mm-hmm. whereas united do for mount uh united bruno, yeah. 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 But now, the, just the the way that they carry themselves on the pitch, they hold themselves to this higher standard on the pitch, you know? They hold themselves accountable when things go wrong. And that is the sort of standards that clubs need. I completely... Uh, that's such, uh, yeah, such a good shout. I was genuinely struggling to think of one. And that's such a good shout, Bruno. It's a good comparison, actually. Yeah. I don't think there's, I don't think there's anyone else in, in the Premier League that, that sort of means more to their team than than those two i mean you could probably maybe arguably put um henderson in there for liverpool maybe but even yeah liverpool's a tricky one because you know i guess van dyke maybe um we've seen how liverpool sort of collapsed sort of this year without him at the back um not having the squad depth buying championship centre-backs to sort of try and fill a void um man city i mean their squad depth's unreal they can literally swap anyone out you know we all joke about pep roulette for fantasy weeks but that is absurd like his squad depth's ridiculous um so 
I don't think anyone is super important. I don't, there are more important players than others at City, of course, but there's not one sort of player like Mount or a Bruno that are so integral to that team that they have to play week in, week out. Um, otherwise, you almost feel like they're at a disadvantage. So, yeah, I'm struggling to think of anyone else, to be honest. I don't think Arsenal have any any players that are particularly critical to them. Um, I mean, Bakayo Saka could be argued, but definitely not on the level of Mount and Bruno. Yeah, uh, I think I think Tierney's also really Tierney. Arsenal, but from left-back, it's hard to influence a game like Bruno and Mount do from midfield. Yeah, so, you know, um, just trying to think of others. Luke, did uh, you have one? I was gonna. I was thinking, and you, when you said Man City, what immediately came to me was, in terms of away from the attacking side of the game, we're going back a bit. We're going to the goalkeeper. Would you say if City lost Edison, they would be a different team? Because in terms of ability on the ball and the way he can spray passes from his own box just to anywhere on the pitch, do you think if the ball was in there, because who's their goal, backup goalkeeper? Zach, Zach Stefan. Stefan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When he's there, it's. It's sometimes like a completely different team because Edison is can just put balls into any part of the pitch he wants. He could he could probably step into midfield and do a job for all yeah. I think. So, in terms of just ability on the ball and just presence and just ability to do things that other goalkeepers can't, do you think he would be a massive loss to City? Because I I think he would. It changes oh, the way they play. He absolutely would be a massive loss. I mean, I have been, when Man City signed Edison and I saw him, I was like, this kid's, like, this kid's really good. Good. I think he's also very underrated as an actual keeper. Like, he's a very, very good shot stopper. He's also a pretty good dealer of crosses. I said when Man City brought Edison that he was better than Alisson. People laughed. I still think Edison, maybe Alisson was better last season, but I still think Edison overall is a better keeper. Um, and I also don't think Edison's even started. I think he's got so much more to come. He's still fairly young, um, as far as I'm aware. Um, fairly Googles. I am just looking up how old he is. He's 27. Like th- this guy's got a minimum of five years playing it like this standard, if not more. He could go on to achieve so much with Man City. Like he is so important. Man City, though, I think as a team are too good to have that impact. Them. We've seen them play us with Stefan. We've seen them win games this season with Stefan. Yeah. They would. Edison just makes them better. I think. Like, Man City don't rely on Edison because the rest of their team is so good. Mm-hmm. But Edison just makes them that bit better. I think they would still probably win the league if they had Stefan in goal. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, they definitely have the capability to, yeah. Yeah, but it, it would. it's a really good question, Luca. He definitely changes the way they play to that extent. But their defenders are so good, their midfielders are so good in the way they move the ball. Like, they're so smart on and off the ball, Man City, that I think they would still be incredible even without Edison. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a void to, if he's not there, there's a void to fill. There's a there's an empty gap there. You think, oh, there's a big man missing, a talented man, and it's Edison. I mean, yesterday, when they were playing Leeds, he just, when, I think, I can't remember if it, they, they were down to 10 men and Rafinha, I think, tried to round him. And he just made one of the most perfectly timed slide tackles like a centre-back I've ever seen. And he was so confident on the ball, he just ran up to it and then just booted it long to someone like on the edge of the area. It was like, he could play anywhere on the pitch, I think, genuinely. He's that he's, good. He's got such good technique as a keeper. And it's the confidence to keep doing things. Because you will make... 
as a keeper, like when you play like they do, you will make mistakes. Like we'll take the piss, but Allison, his game against City when he like gifted them two and a half goals, basically, like that that happens. You know, like he, you're not a bad keeper overnight. He's clearly a very good keeper, but the confidence to come back and keep doing it, you know, to keep on coming out for balls after you've made mistakes, that's where it's proved. And Edison's had that happen to him. You know, when was it that Mane, like, broke his face or whatever? You know, to keep coming out for balls like that, after that's happened, the lad's got a set of bollocks on him. Yeah. <laughs> Should we move on to uh, to Tuesday night? Champions League, right. second leg. Mm-hmm. Other than maybe Kante and for Jorginho, are you making other changes to that team? Probably Reese. Yeah, or maybe Christensen back in for Zuma. Maybe. Why was Christensen left out yesterday? Was it pulled out late with an injury? I believe. Oh, okay. Maybe. I tell you what, I, I'd, I'd, I'd keep that defense other than Hudson Odoi as it is. Yeah. I really would. As Pelicueta, Zuma, and Rudiger. Yeah. That's fair enough. I don't think anyone would argue that. I think we. I, I think the 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 team stays the same. Um, apart from, I tell, oh, I tell you what, I think I think you got to drop Havertz. This might be a controversial decision, mm. but I'm just remembering the way that he played against Porto in the last game in that sort of position, same sort of position that he played yesterday, and he did nothing. He did nothing for me. He wasn't very. He wasn't on the ball a lot. He he wasn't holding it up well. He wasn't passing well. He wasn't moving well. And I think it's maybe it's because you know Porto have got two pretty decent, pretty physical sort of centre backs. Um, you know, Pepe is just it's Pepe, and it? he's always going to be physical. So he's very. Um, he was getting beaten in the air a lot. Um, where he could have probably used his height a bit more. So it's it's just a bit. I don't know. Maybe I think I definitely think he's, and I'm not. Look, I'm not saying that he deserves to be dropped because he definitely doesn't deserve to be dropped. But I just think maybe looking back at how he played against Porto in the first leg, maybe it would be beneficial for the team to maybe start a bigger man up there. I know Gir- I know Giroud when he came on didn't really get into the game very well, but maybe if he starts, he might get a bit of oomph under him and and. You know, we can try and mm. beat Porto in the air that way. I'm not sure you, what you guys think. You not, would you not back Chelsea just to play through Havertz better this time? Yeah, no, it's definitely possible. Um, but it's just sort of that was just one thing that sort of just worried me. We spoke about it uh, last week on the last week or earlier this week on the podcast. Um, so, yeah, it's not something that's sort of necessary but it's just something that perhaps I'm watching out for looking out for before the game starts. Luca why are you going there Havertz or no Havertz? I think in terms of uh in terms of form I think you, you you stick with Havertz and also if you're this is a bit might be a bit controversial feel free to disagree but you said that Havertz didn't play very well against Porto so you perhaps drop him because he didn't play well. If could you look at it as our defense played well would you not? Would you not keep Christensen in ahead of Zuma? If you're saying you're dropping Havertz for playing badly, would you not put Christensen back in for playing well? Well, if Christensen's not fully, see, yeah. if he's fully if fit, Christensen's, would, well, if not, you put him in? 
Um, no, probably not. I don't, okay. I don't know. I think no logic, yeah. just vibes. Yeah, no. It's maybe it, maybe it's, maybe there is no maybe there is no logic in that. But yeah, I just feel like you know Havertz played quite poorly in that first leg. So I change yeah. him out. If Christensen, you know, if he's not fully fit for Porter, then I won't play him. Oh, I wouldn't play him. I say that say it like I'm too cool, but you know, I w- I wouldn't play Christensen on Tuesday if he. And I think Christensen is a centre back where, especially in that middle role that he plays, is very crucial. Um, and you need a health healthy pair of legs. I'll say as well on that, <laughs> like. If, as you say, Porto are a physical team, we didn't look particularly good on set pieces. To have Zuma in there for set pieces as well, mm-hmm. not you know, I'm I'm not saying you should play Zuma just because of that. Yeah, but it's another reason why maybe you would. Yeah, exactly. I think, like I said um, before, we were very sort of um, Porto are a very physical team, and they we they sort of dominated us in the air a little bit. Um, they got chances off of corners. They every time we sort of Christensen would ping. We spoke about it. We would ping the ball over to the sides. Every time he tried to go up the middle, it would just be headed straight back. Um, uh, so perhaps yeah, Zuma is another way to sort of counter that. You know, Rudiger is probably going to start, so that's another aerial threat. Giroud coming on would be another aerial threat. So maybe being swapped out for Havertz. So yeah. No, I I definitely understand what you mean. Um, Personally, if I had the choice, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll I'll stick with KZ in the back. Uh, um, We'll take Zuma, James, and then I would play Havertz anyway, because for me, um, it only takes one moment of magic from a Chelsea player and the tie's over. Chelsea just need one goal and the tie's over. Mm -hmm. And Havertz on full flow, Anything, a driving run, a flicked header, a little pass, anything that we know he's well capable of and that we saw at the weekend, even half a moment like that could be enough against yeah. Porto. They're going to have to come and score goals against us. First? Yeah. And I think they, they certainly will be. They will come out because obviously they're 2 down, but obviously they're going, to have their, they're going to have their two best players back. I believe Oliver and Taremi will be back. But even yeah. with them the team, I just think the way we control games at the moment... I just think that we're going to have way too much of them again. Uh, in terms of predictions, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say another two nil. Four nil on aggregate, you reckon? Yeah. Who's winning the other tie, Luca? Madrid versus Liverpool. Who's going I think, through? I think Madrid will win. I, I know Liverpool look good against Villa, so they might be a little bit improved, get a bit of confidence. But I think Real Madrid largely, well, they impressed me certainly on. Whenever they played, and Vinicius Junior looked a threat. He's scored two goals. He's never scored that many goals in his life. But Somehow, yeah. I think that, yeah, I think they'll just have. I think they'll have too much for Liverpool. They'll edge it. They'll win. Maybe. Maybe. Rogue. They're going to lose one nil on the night and win three two on aggregate. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll say we'll win against Porto. I think it'll be a one nil win. Um, we'll, we'll score a goal and that'll be the tie over and then we'll just sit back um, 
and coast to the dub. Uh, I think I said before that um, I thought Madrid would win against Liverpool. Um, they proved me right in the first leg. Uh, I think they're going to prove me right again. I'm going to say 2-1 to Madrid for the other tie. Mm. Um, and then we'll be playing Madrid in the semi-final of the Champions League. Against Thibaut and potentially Eden Hazard, baby. Against, against the snake and the and the king. Mm. I think... Not the king, uh, but, you know, you know what I mean. I'm going to go for... Um, either... I can't really go between two results, can I? I'll go for a one-all draw. Um, I, th- I think we'll score first, calm it down, and then maybe Porto get one back. I think it'll be a one-all draw. First. I expect Porto to come out and be a really tough game. Like, 100%. If, if we were to lose 1-0... I, I, I don't care. We're, we're going through. It's, it's about getting through at this stage. I don't really care. Yeah. Um, I think we'll play well, but Porto, Porto are going to be well, well up for it. Like they've, they've still got, they've still got a chance of going through here. Um, Real Madrid, Liverpool. I'm fairly confident Madrid will go through, um, and I think they'll win at Anfield as well. To be fair, like fairly confident. I think it might be two 0 Madrid. Uh, yeah. and Benzema definitely to score in my books he's an incredible player did you see that goal the little no. back heel flick I haven't seen it oh it was awesome well. Madrid coming off the back of El, El Clasico El Clasico win mm-hmm. in which I believe Tony Kroos once again rolled back a couple of years Jesus that guy is ridiculous honestly incredible amounts of class I think Liverpool though will have learned from the first leg that they can't like they're going to have to not give him space. I think a classy team when when they get going. They've got the experience to win these sorts of games. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And um, yeah, well, if we get through and if they get through, what a semi final tie that's going to be. That that'll be insane. Yeah, so. yeah, it's mm. going to be brilliant. That, that's what the think, Champions League. This is what it's for. I don't think Chelsea have ever played. Is it we've never played Real Madrid in a knockout? I can't remember it. I think those that was like one of the one of the opponents that we'd never played against. I might be wrong, but I I, I can't remember us playing against Real Madrid in in, in the Champions League at least. Um, so that'd be interesting to see how that one sort of pans out. Um, Quick fire predictions for the other side of the draw as well. Just while we're at it. Oh, okay. Man City, Man City, Borussia Dortmund. What's the score there? Two one. Two one. I tell you what, I think I think Dortmund can really take it to City. I I, th- I really think they can. They got sort of robbed of a goal. I say sort of. I was so angry at that. I yeah, know, that, was that was awful. I was fuming. I was absolutely fuming. Um, they got robbed of a goal, um, and it was a decent finish by Royce. Uh, Haaland didn't really get a sniff, um, so he'll be out for blood. Um, in that second leg. Um, I think they can take it to City. Can they win it? I'll say no. But I think they might win it on the night. It's going to be quite hard. Yeah. It's, it'll be interesting to see. But I think City will get... A 1-0 uh, Dortmund win. Yeah. Them through. Yeah, if, if Dortmund win, don't they go through? Like, whatever the score. Oh, no. Oh, no. If, yeah. Oh, if Dortmund were away first. Dortmund were away first. It was 2-1. Dortmund. Could win three two and not go through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, they're not to trip over my own feet. I'll say they'll win three two. 
Okay. Wow, that'd be some game to watch. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> mm. And the other game that we won't get to watch is Bayern PSG because it's on at the same time as the Chelsea game, which I'm a bit miffed at. Um, I think UEFA has sort of stitched Chelsea fans up there by making us miss one great game in the in that first leg, which was apparently insane. I watched the highlights, and the highlights were really good, so I dread to think what the actual game must have been like. And, you know, we're going to miss the second leg as well, but can PSG ride this wave to beat get their revenge on Bayern what do you think yeah I think they can yeah. I think PSG go through I think yeah. they do as well fair enough yeah. I, I'm again I'm fairly confident that PSG will go through as well well like, is it three away goals they've got or yeah two? but only a one goal lead yeah 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 still three away goals though but Bayern need to score two without reply and you think yeah. PSG can and score so Kylian Mbappe is on their team so well we never know who we're going to who we're going to face. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. It might be an all-English final. It could be an all-English final. could, could be an all-English final. Uh, let's, let's not... You know, the last time we were in a Champions League final in an all-English final against a Manchester team, it didn't go so well, so let's hope not. Um, and let's end this on positive vibes. Chelsea are going to win the Champions League. I saw another one. I saw another Dubois thing. I can't remember. Oh, who. no. He added to a thread, didn't he? I think it came from expected Chelsea, um, and it was in 2012. Yeah. In between the first leg of the quarterfinal and the second leg of the quarterfinal, Chelsea played away and scored four goals. Oh no, they <laughs> didn't. Yeah, they really? did. <laughs> no, they didn't. I'm checking this now. I think I that's don't care. Let like let let's let's be really professional and look that up. I'm I'm having a look now. I'm on I'm on the old Wikipedia. Um. Let, let's let's go and get this in between. I the... need to see this because that is if that is true, that's ridiculous. So after the twenty seventh of the third, that's what we're looking for. Twenty seventh of the third. Oh my god! Yeah. The thirty first of March, twenty twelve, we beat Villa four two. Yeah, away from home. Oh hmm. my god! Between the first and second leg, we scored four goals away from home. So on this. that double tammy, guys. I think on that double tummy, we've got to leave it there. Onwards and upwards, Champions League football. Well, it might, it could be the last game for a year and a bit if it doesn't go well, if the rest of the season doesn't pan out well. Tuesday night could be the last Champions League game in a while, so we're going to cherish it. Otherwise, we'll be back after that game to review it, whether it's good, bad, ugly, or extremely pretty, like my two co-hosts. Thank you. Um, Thursday, should we say? Wednesday or Thursday? For that, we'll get it out to you. Yeah. Um That's good. on that double tammy. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Thank you. See ya.